Hello, audience. Welcome to another episode of Are You Really Living? Today, I'm very excited because I have Miss Lori Cherry with us today. She is a licensed mental health therapist uh, with a private virtual practice. So I am very excited to have her on the show today where we're going to be talking about uh, the subject of mental health. Hello, Lori. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate you reaching out. No, no, and thank I... you. Thank you for coming by. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. I can't wait to to get into it. All right. So without uh, wasting any time, let's jump into it because I know you're extremely busy and I value your time. So what are some of the most common mental health issues you see with your clients? And how do you approach treatment? Okay. So outside of depression and anxiety, uh, I would say one of the most common mental health issues I come across is trauma, right? So like it could be uh, childhood trauma, trauma from abuse, trauma from being in the military, trauma from a horrible accident, trauma from witnessing somebody dying or trauma, trauma from just any type of traumatic traumatic event, um, clients dealing with trauma and not knowing that they're responding from a traumatic standpoint is one of the most common um, mental health issues that we come across outside of depression and anxiety. One of the main uh, treatment that therapists typically use to kind of like cope or help deal with trauma or treat trauma, if you will, um, is a therapy called brain spotting therapy. Mm -hmm. And um, that type of therapy is basically kind of like um, brain body therapy, where it helps to identify the trauma. It helps, um, you know, with processing the trauma, and then it helps with releasing the trauma. And one of the main things that um, some of these clients are not really aware of is how trauma is stored in the body and how um, the way that they respond, the way that they think, and the way that they act um, may really be from a, a, a traumatic or from a trauma-based standpoint. So this therapy is really, really good with helping them to identify that, to process that, and then to then release that. Because trauma can be stored for a very long time until it is um, released from the body. For example, let's say if somebody has a traumatic um, childhood, how now that person is in their 30s, how can mm -hmm. they overcome that situation? Or in other words, put it behind them or will they ever be able to put it behind them? Well, they have to, they have to identify it. We have to get to the root of the problem because a lot of times things that happen to us as a child manifest in our adulthood. So like, for example, neglect, if you were neglected as a child, um, that's going to manifest in different ways in, in, in your, um, and the way that you live your life as an adult. So like if you realize, you know, you can't really form relationships, um, every relationship that you have is not really meaningful. Um, so, you know, you know, it's, it's time that to, you 
you may want to reach out to a professional to help you understand where, where is this coming from? Like, does this have anything to do with how I was raised? Does this have anything to do um, with the def defense mechanism that I created for myself so that um, I don't feel neglect by anyone else ever again? So until that individual really um, get with a therapist that knows how to deal with trauma to help them identify that, to help them process those emotions that may arise from that and then release it, then you would probably never be able to let it go if you don't deal with it. So what is really the difference between, because you just mentioned anxiety between trauma mm -hmm. and having anxiety, what, what's, what's the difference? Well, um, trauma anxiety can be because of a traumatic experience so like anxiety is kind of like a symptom can be a symptom based off of trauma so like trauma is really like an umbrella so like if I had a, a traumatic event that happened to me that's still affecting my daily life um what can come from that is like PTSD meaning that um, I'm having like post-traumatic stress based on that event. So like if I'm in an environment that remind me of that trauma, that's going to bring about anxiety, that's going to bring about some sort of body aches, um, that's going to bring about uh, memories that's probably going to make me a lot more anxious, that's probably going to cause me to hyperventilate um, and, and, you know, possibly bring me into a state um, of chaos, if you will. So anxiety, uh, anxiety can be kind of like, um, a, a, like a different type of mental health issue by itself. But with anxiety, it's always based on something. It's not just anxiety. It, it, you may have anxiety because you're reminded of that trauma. You may have anxiety because you're mentally somewhere else than you should be um, in the present time. Oh, well, you mentioned something else you, uh, as you started. It was trauma, anxiety, and what else? Oh, uh, PTSD. Was yes. that it? Yes, PTSD, which is, I believe, the acronym is post-traumatic stress. Post yeah, post-traumatic post-traumatic stress um, disorder. It's just, um, it's kind of like a symptom of trauma, if you will. So when you think of trauma, it's like, um, think of an umbrella and then you have all these things. Trauma is at the top mm -hmm. and then you have PTSD, you have anxiety, and then even, trauma can bring about depression too. Like you can think of whatever that um, traumatic event that happened to you, whether it's, it was neglect or whatever type of abuse, and it, it may bring a depressive mood out of you. That, that's, that was the other one I was looking for, depression. Um, yeah. How can someone... I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen uh, some of your clients that experience that. How can someone, yeah. let's say, have a fairly comfortable life, you know, um, uh -huh. having a good job, having good health, and yet mm -hmm. that person can still feel depressed inside? Why, why is that? Well, we would have to get to the root of the problem because a lot of times, you know, having a good job, um, dressing well, looking good, a lot of those things can be a mask, right? So like if you feel like you have a great job, you, you have a great partner, you have good friends, but you're still feeling low, you're still feeling like you're not, you're not enough or you're not doing enough, 
we have to get to the root of that problem. Where is that coming from? That doesn't just come out of nowhere. Um, it's, it's probably some unresolved issue that's still kind of like manifesting itself in a way that you mm-hmm. haven't dealt with. Now, how do you navigate the intersection between mental health and other areas of your client's life, such as relationships and mm-hmm. physical health? Okay. So with me personally, I, I'm an advocate for living a holistic lifestyle. And that's one of the things that I really, really preach to my clients, because it's not just um, about, oh, I'm going to see a therapist today and my, all of my problems, you know, is going to go away, right? There's different factors that goes into why am I sad? There's different factors that go into why am I feeling anxious? There's several different aspects. Um, uh, there's several different factors that can cause me to not live a happy lifestyle. So I have to make sure that I'm eating well. I have to make sure that I'm exercising. I have to make sure that if there's anything or anyone that is um, causing me to be unhappy or causing me to feel any sort of um, ailments or ill feelings about myself, I have to be able to identify those things so that I can either eliminate myself or um, eliminate them. So just thinking like a, a um, living a holistic lifestyle and not just focusing on just one aspect of health, if you will. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. In other words, it's all connected based on how you Exactly, exactly. Because if you're taking care of your mental health and you're taking care of your health, you're exercising, um, everything else will fall into place. In other words, it will be leave um, very little room for, you know, depression or anxiety. Uh, right, right, right. Okay. Now, how do you work with your client who are um, resistant? to seeking treatment or making changes based on your advice um, from on their behavior? Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to resistant clients, I normally don't have a lot of clients that, that kind of like resist therapy, if you will. I feel like it's more of a, a more of more clients that are mandated by or court ordered. Um, but sometimes even the clients that, um, are seeking therapy themselves because most of the time when they come to me, they're already like made the choice themselves, you know, saying, you know what, I'm at a point in my life where um, I don't like where this is going. I don't like where my life is going. So it's time for me to speak to someone and seek some professional help. So with just that thought process is them saying, you know what, I'm willing to get the help that's necessary for me to be in therapy. Now at times, depending on how difficult things may be, it may be a subject or a topic that is very difficult for them to discuss. Um, and if I feel like it's it's going to do more harm than good to discuss that, um, I won't really push too hard on it. Um, I like to meet my clients where they are. So if it's something that's going to bring more anxiety, more, more depression and more um, PTSD, then I won't address it. However, I will... Um, bring it to their attention um, that, you know, this is something that's very difficult and I would want to process why it's difficult for them. But I won't really push for them to talk about things that they're not ready or willing to talk about. That's that's it. That makes sense. And, and I mm-hmm. agree with you. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing is, 
when it what are some of the most effective strategies that you use um to help your clients cope with sh- stress and anxiety okay i am a big advocate for like self care right and and just doing things that make you happy because um a lot of the times when i'm talking with my clients i i like to um allow themselves to put themselves like on a pedestal because a lot of time it's, it's difficult for them to do that, especially if they're caretakers, if especially if they're the ones and their family that takes care of everything or everybody else, it becomes very difficult for them to kind of like see themselves in a light and put themselves first. And once they start doing that and they start taking care of themselves, doing more of the things that make them happy, um, it kind of help with stress and anxiety. And then um, helping them to kind of like identify, okay, when I'm around this person, how do I feel? Is this person making me happy or is this person making me feel more sad? Or when I'm in a, in a specific environment, how am I feeling? Does this environment make me feel sad or make me feel happy? Just identifying um, what emotions come about when I'm around certain people or when I'm around a certain type of environment. And then just deciding, okay, is is this working? Great. If it's not, let's do something different about it. If you're in an environment and you're not happy, would you recommend to your client to remove themselves from that uh, situation? Uh, It depends on... It it depends on the logistics of it. So like if it's a job um, that they have that's that's like really stressful and really making them unhappy, then we would kind of like, um, I like to do like a list of pros and cons to identify um, what what would be the pros of you leaving this space and what would be the con of you um, leaving this space. And then we, we would also do that for staying. And then we would just, you know, go down that list and talk about um, some of those things. And if the solution is to leave that place, then before leaving that place, we would want to make sure that you have something else because you know we work and that's how we pay the bills and things like that so you you don't want to just get up and say you know i'm stressed and i'm just gonna leave my job you you want to be uh realistic and you want to make um wise decisions but ultimately um you know we don't want to compromise your mental health for a job but at the same time when we do make that decision we want to make sure that we're making wise decisions what about if you're at a party you're at a party and you're just not feeling the vibe and you don't you're not feeling the people around you should you just get up and leave yeah (laughs) i'm all for that (laughs) like what are we gonna lose from that you know well you don't want you you don't want to upset the person that invited you to the party well now you're putting someone else um feelings before yours what what would you recommend to someone that has an issue of saying not issue but cares about others feelings so much that Mm -hmm. they find themselves where they can't say no all right so I would go back to the idea of them not putting themselves first because if you're not if if you care more about how someone would feel um as opposed to how you would feel then right there, you're putting someone else's feelings on top of yours and and you come first. 
sometimes for us to have uh, to maintain our sanity, we're going to have to hurt some people's feelings, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if that means you being sane or you feeling less anxious or you being um, happy, if that, if that hurt someone else's feelings, then I don't know. I would be, I would be okay with me being sane, me feeling sane, me being happy, as opposed to just focusing more on like, oh, I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. I mean, I'm not, I, I, it's not like, you know, I'm being intentional. It's not like you're being rude about the situation. It's just, you know what? My social battery is low right now and I don't have, I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the capacity to really deal with this right now. And if this person cannot understand that, then I'm not, I I would question that relationship really. Yeah. yeah. Well, to the listeners, um, you know, uh, the message pretty much is if it's a no, it's a no. Um, you, you, yes. you have to put yourself first. So yes. that's basically what it is, you know. You just said something interesting. Um, social battery. What is that? When you think uh, when you think of introverts and extroverts, mm-hmm. um, introverts are individuals that gain energy or gain more energy from solitude. So like being to themselves or with a small group of people, um, as opposed to extroverts, they feel like, you know, they feel they get more energy from being around lots of people or large crowds. So like a lot of introverts being around um, random people and large groups of people would deplete their social battery. And even sometimes as extroverts too, like if you're just going and going and going and going, and you've been doing so much, you've been working so much, sometimes you need to be by yourself to kind of recharge. So if you've been working so hard, you've been helping so much in the house with kids or family or whatever the situation is, and you don't have much more energy left in you for like a party or a social event, why make yourself go through all that when you can just say, hey, you know, I mean, you don't have to be honest about it, but you can go about it however you want to. But if you feel like you don't have enough energy to or bandwidth to even be in a space um, that would take more from you, I think it goes back to like, you know, you taking care of yourself and saying, you know what, I can't do this right now. And I'm not going to force myself to do that. Us having... Um, Haitian parents and also uh, Caribbean background, mm-hmm. they don't believe in mental health therapy. Mm-hmm. How do you approach a parent that doesn't believe in mental health? Like another word, trauma, as you mentioned in the beginning, and mm-hmm. that just believe in you know that's just life, the way things are. You just have to pick up yourself and work uh, work through it. That's a hard one. That's a hard one because, you know, you, in our culture, that's that's what a lot of um, um, a lot of us have to deal with, especially second generation Haitian. Um, and I have a lot of younger generation Haitians as clients that kind of like, you know, deal with that. But the approach that I kind of take with that is um, I always kind of tell my clients um, we can't control others. We can't control, um, we almost can't control what happens to us, but what we can control is how we react um, to what happens to us. 
So like, we can't change our parents' mind. We can't go into their minds and say, hey, um, you know, I need you to start believing in therapy. I need you to, you know, understand that I'm depressed. I need you to, to understand that this decision that you made, you know, when I was a child, this really negatively affected me. Um, we can't really do that. But what we can do is work on however those things make us feel. So like if you're a, a child of a parent that don't believe in therapy or don't believe in you being depressed, you work on you feeling depressed. You work on, on that depression. You work on that anxiety. That is their issue that they have to deal with. Whether they decide to deal with that or not, that's that has nothing to do with you. As long as you're dealing with your issues, that's good enough. And then we would talk about how to kind of like cope with that in a sense, right? So mm -hmm. when it comes to coping with a problem, we have what's called Play-Doh problems and what's called rock problems, right? So mm -hmm. a rock is hard. So rock problems are problems that we cannot change. We cannot do anything about them. The only thing that we can do is is cope with them is is decide whether is this is can we remove ourselves from this situation or can i just um learn how to cope with that and then plato problems are problems that we can actually change and do something about and when it comes to someone else we can't change that person unless yeah. they make that decision to change so the only thing that we can do is either change the way that we deal with them um or we just cope with them in the best way that is healthy for us too. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great example. Well, I guess a, a great way of explaining it, the rock and the play-doh, because mm -hmm. some of those um, old timers, those parents, there's nothing you can mm -hmm. say that mm -hmm. will make them change their mind, you know? That is true. To follow up on that as well, if I guess that falls under trauma, when mm -hmm. parents don't show love to their kids, how mm -hmm. does that affect the kid in the long run? What do I mean by that? Um, mm -hmm. Especially with Haitian parents, there's it is it's not really something you see in a lot of household where uh Haitian father or Haitian mother will say to their kids, I love you. And the kids mm -hmm. will say it back like you don't see that. You rarely mm -hmm. see it. I was fortunate enough to have that myself, but I know a lot of people, they don't. So mm -hmm. how does that affect a child that doesn't get that? Or does it affect a child at all? It can. It can um, negatively and positively affect them. It all depends on how um, that manifests in their adulthood, right? So we have what's called different love languages. So a lot of our parents... Um, maybe they didn't verbalize that they loved us, but they maybe they showed us that they loved us in different ways, whether it was um, providing things for us or giving things for us. So like there's different love languages. So in that aspect, that individual may learn to um, love someone by act of service because maybe that's what they saw growing up. They saw that their parents or their father or their mom took care of the household, took care of them. So they maybe they then realize, okay, maybe I didn't hear them saying that they loved me, but they were able to provide and they were able to do different things for me. So that is a form of love. So as an adult, 
they can then try to seek and see that there are different ways, different love languages, and then they can decide or they, or they can try to identify what their love language are, languages are and then see um, whoever their partner is, learn their love language, and then, you know, just kind of like um, come together with that to see if it's meshing the right way. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's a great way to look at it. And I think that makes perfect sense. You know, how you explain mm -hmm. it, you know, mm -hmm. because that, I think that's how a lot of uh, parents look at it. You know, I put a roof over your head. Um, mm -hmm. I take care of you. I pay mm -hmm. the bill. So um, why are you complaining that I didn't say those three words? <laughs> I love you. You know, And, and I'm not saying that that's enough because um, you know, as, as a lover, as a partner, you, you need to be affectionate if, if that's how your partner wants to feel love or wants to feel seen. So once you identify your partner's love language and then you identify yours, then you can see, okay, this is what's been missing. I didn't learn that growing up, but since this is what my partner wishes, then, you know, let me start doing that. So it's just more about like education and awareness. Can you, uh, what role do you think technology is playing in the future of mental health treatment? And oh, um, wow. how do you stay up to date with all those emerging technology that's coming out? Yeah. So I think technology is playing a major, major role, given that my entire practice is virtual. So that makes it a lot easier for clients. They don't have to worry about driving to an office. They don't have to worry about um, getting dressed, if you will. They can literally be in their rooms or wherever they feel comfortable talking to me. I've had clients sitting in their car on their phones talking to me. So I think technology have played a major, major um, positive role um, in therapy. Um, but you still have some of those clients that's like, no, you know, I'd rather come in. I want to see someone. I want to sit in an office, um, you know, to speak to someone. But ultimately, overall, I think um, technology plays a, a positive role in mental health. And I think it's it's for the good because now, um, you know, if 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 I'm licensed in Georgia, I can have, I can see my clients that's in Georgia due to technology. So that's yeah. a good thing. Can you share any stories in particular challenging story or a rewarding um, story of your experience that you had working with clients? And what did you learn from those, from that particular experience? Sure. So I think one of the main challenges for me as a therapist is to get the client to understand the holistic aspect that we talked about earlier, right? So for them to understand is not just um, about them being depressed. There's different factors. There's, there's a root cause of the depression and we have to get to that root cause of the problem. Sometimes they're not ready or not willing or doesn't even think what would cause them to be depressed or what would cause them um, to be anxious. Um, so just them understanding, like, we can't just go to therapy and it will be fixed. We have to change um, 
like the things that we do on a regular basis. Like you have to change your daily habits. We have to change. Sometimes the foods that you eat is keeping you depressed and keeping you anxious. Sometimes we have to make changes with that. Um, if we're not going outside and getting enough sunlight and we're not being very active, you know, you have to make changes with that. So just them understanding that it, when it comes to health, it's it's an overall thing. It's not just one thing that you can do to make sure that you're healthy it's it's and and also them understanding it's a journey rather than a destination right because you know you've had let's say you've had five sessions and then now you know you know how to cope you know how to deal with your depression and anxiety but life keeps happening there are things that's going to be thrown at you that you're going to have to remember what you learn in therapy so that you can you know put that in use and be able to deal whatever life challenges um, throw at you, at you. So just them understanding that it's a journey. And when it comes to mental health or any type of health, it's a holistic aspect that can be very challenging. Now you're extremely smart. Why did you choose that feel? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you could have been a doctor, lawyer, <laughs> you know, like, what, um, what drew you to to that field? Because um, you're you're good at what you do, so that's why I, I feel like why. Thank you, why thank you. you. Um, so it goes it goes to the rewarding part, right? Like, um, I think naturally I'm a helper. Like, I I love, um, to help others. I love um, to see people happy. Um, I and I love seeing um, someone live their best lives and, and identifying what's wrong and dealing with what's wrong. So like whenever, um, like I have, I see a client that I had and we work through a problem and I see them living their best lives. That's very, very rewarding to me. So I think, I guess that's my why, just like helping others and seeing them happy and, and just, you know, being a bridge to them getting to that place of, of a healthy lifestyle, I guess. And happiness. Yes. Okay. What advice would you give to someone that's listening to the show right now that is considering therapy for the first time, but is not too sure about it? And also the process. Okay. So I would, I would say to anyone that's considering or thinking about um, being in therapy, just take some time with yourself to figure out your why. Like ask yourself, what is it that you want to um, talk about in therapy? What is it that you want to work on? Um, and then identify those barriers. Like what is keeping you from seeking therapy? Is it that um, you want to have a male therapist? You want to have a female therapist? Would you feel more comfortable speaking to someone that's in the same um, culture back that comes from the same cultural background as you? So just identifying your why and then writing down those barriers and then trying to figure out why is this a barrier? And then once you feel comfortable, like you feel like, okay, maybe I will feel comfortable talking to a female therapist. And then now you start looking for a therapist. Make sure that you make that you um, look this therapist up to make sure that they're licensed in whatever state that you live in. And whatever issue that you have, like let's say it's trauma, um, make sure that this, this therapist is um, experienced dealing with trauma patients. You know, just kind of, 
those things. Do your research on that therapist and then find out your why and find out what those barriers are and go from there. Now, if somebody want to contact you, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, I have, it's, it's always best to email um, me, but we do have an Instagram page and we also have a website, um, wellnessgardentherapy.com and they can book a session, uh, not book a session. They can book a consultation there. Wellness.gardenoutlook.com. That's what it is. Okay. One more time for the clients. So they can, not the client, the potential clients, <laughs> so they can hear it. <laughs> so the email is wellness.garden at outlook.com. That is the best way to reach me. Most of the time I'm in session, um, calling would probably, you would probably be leaving an e- uh, a voicemail. So email is always, always great. Wellness.garden at outlook.com. Perfect. I I know all the listeners got it. They wrote it down and they will be contacting you as soon as possible. You also have a Kindle business. Is that correct? I do. I do. I have, it's called My Organic Shop. I sell non-toxic candles. Like we talked about earlier, health is like an overall thing. Mm -hmm. I, I am like one of those people that um, advocate for living a holistic lifestyle. I'm on a personal journey of living a holistic lifestyle. So I feel like this is my little footprint or another foot, footprint aside from the therapy to trying to educate people um, to help them understand, you know, some of the products that they're using out there are not really the best for our health. So I'm just making that difference that I would like to see um, in the world. So our candles are non-toxic, um, they're free of paraben, free of phthalate, which which are um, these are hormone disruptors. So those are just some things, you know, to think about, you know, the next time that, you know, you're on that journey of living a holistic lifestyle, the products that you're buying, the things that you're putting into your to your body, um, the things that you're putting in your skin, all of those things, you know, can negatively affect your health. Oh, it's like I, mean, I think I said that already. It's all connected, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, if somebody wanna uh, purchase your Kindle, where do they go? Do you have a website or Instagram? Yes, we have a website. All right, and we also have an Instagram. Um, well, the website is myorganic um, slash shop dot com. That is the website. Instagram. And then the Instagram for the candle shop is luxury underscore by nature. Luxury underscore by nature. By nature. Now, and the you, name of that. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, as you know, this show is called Are You Really Living? Um, mm-hmm. You are the devish, definition of are you really living? Um, you're helping <laughs> others living uh, very well as well. Um, before we go, I wanted to ask you, what are some, what are some cool stuff you've done and you, you want to share with us that someone can consider as part of taking care of themselves or as part of having fun to let their hair, Mm -hmm. let let your hair down, down. Well, I, I, 
completely changed the way that I eat. I think that's pretty cool. And I, and it was actually very challenging. And I know that's very challenging for a lot of other people, but right now um, I'm currently a pescatarian, so I don't eat meat at all, uh, just seafood. But my ultimate goal is to be completely vegan. Um, so first I cut out the meat. The next goal is to cut out the fish. Um, and then the next goal is to cut out um, any sort of animal products. So I, I enjoy it. I love it. It makes me feel great. Um, it makes me feel good when I make these choices um, that can add maybe a few more years to my life. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a pretty cool thing to do to take care of yourself. And it, and it makes me feel good to do that. And I hope, you know, other people kind of like get to a point where they also want to take care of themselves and it makes them feel good to take care of themselves. Perfect. Now, if somebody's listening to this, you already know once you come on this podcast to listen, the audience is about changing life. So the people that are listening, they are about to change their life, you know, so that's this great. Is the right that's place. great. This is the right place. So with that's that being great. said, Miss Lori Cherry, thank you very much for stopping by to the podcast. And I would like to ask everybody you hear it first on Are You Really Living podcast, like, subscribe if you haven't done so. And uh, before we go again, anything else you want to um, share with us? Ah, uh, no, that's that's pretty much it. All right. Well, we'll see you on the next one. Again, like, share, and subscribe. Are you really living podcast? And uh, let's go after it. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you.